It's my pleasure to have you with us on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas to me so you can keep more of what you make. That's what we're about, your wallet, helping you live on less than what you earn and create financial security in your life. And there are times that I give advice that you're listening to that you hear me give someone else that you feel I didn't hit it out of the park. In fact, I struck out at the plate. And so I need feedback from you when I don't deliver. And that's why we have Clark Stinks at Clark.com, where you can let me know when I don't deliver on my mission, which is to help you take more control of your financial future, to create independence in your life. And so you post there, others can read your posts, they can comment on them as well, they can agree, disagree. And then weekly, producer Krista goes through your posts on Clark Stinks and shares highlights with you here on the air. I should have never encouraged you to speak. You must think I'm pretty stupid. You should be ashamed of yourself. Well, maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right, pal. I am going to begin today with, um, we've had a few complaints on Clark Stinks about the Clark Stinks segment and about the podcast in general and how at the end um, the credits were so long and they felt like it was excessive because you tried to thank everybody in the world of Clark. So <laughs> we, we have uh, redone how the credits run at the end of the podcast but it is my thing that we're all part of a team all serving you, whether it's with off-air advice or our newsletters or how we connect you on social media or how we do with Clark.com and Clark Deals, how we do it on TV, how we do it on radio. So for me, we are all there together working in concert to bring you good information that you can use in your life. And so I want to recognize everybody who brings that to you. And that's why we have the long credits. But if you wish... We had them. They're gone. Huh? We had them. They're gone. We're not going to do them at all? No. I mean, it's fine. Everybody's acknowledged on all their media, you know? We're just thanking the people that work on the podcast for the podcast and we have people on the website. website. All right, let's move on. Uh, Wait, I got to finish it out. So now it will be much shorter, and instead of thanking everybody, we will specifically focus on the people involved with delivering the podcast to you. I have heard you, and that overrides my desire to make sure everyone on our whole team is thanked. Okay, and a couple that came in that said they couldn't find Clark Stinks, so I just want to give an immediate... Um, solution to that. We've put Clark Stinks now on the menu directly under Connect. You will see a a link right there for Clark Stinks so you can post away. It is a message board so you can get to it that way as well. But Clark Stinks is right under Connect on the main menu at Clark.com. I had a question for you about that. Why couldn't we have Clark.com slash Clark Stinks and someone could just immediately go there? Great idea. I'll see if we can get that implemented today. Okay. 
Um, here's one. Uh, Kate had to write in because, or she was, um, she couldn't find the button. She said, "I couldn't find it, but I'll submit here on the 9:26 podcast at the end of the show." A man asked about guidance for prep for end of life of his elderly mom. I can't believe you didn't even mention the absolute necessity of having her living will and medical power of attorney with a secondary POA. This may be a tough conversation, but it's way tougher to have to make decisions about aggressive care when you don't know her wishes. Love you, but you missed the boat here. And anytime I don't mention that, that is a fail on my part because it's very important to me to make sure that your wishes are honored at a time that you cannot be your own advocate. And so having, and these are usually state-specific forms, so if you did a durable power of attorney for health care and added your state to that search, you will almost certainly find the state-required form for it. Some states uh, call it a living will, and you just do living will, name of your state. And you able, you're able with the, the directive, what's known as the advanced medical directive, that's the direction most states have moved, that you have both a messenger and a message where you decide who will be the one who advocates for you when you can't advocate for yourself, and you state clearly in that what message they're supposed to deliver on what care you wish at the end of your life. So my fail in that case is clear that I did not address that part of the issue. Yes, Clark, you stink for not being completely honest about the business model of the FIRE movement. I see If I see one more millennial blogger, Mr. Money Mustache copycat clickbait article seeking eyeballs about how a 30-year-old retired with $1 million, I'm going to be sick. It's getting old, Clark, and maybe it's time you called out the FIRE blogger community scam to get advertising eyeballs to their websites. To sell the idea of FIRE, the FIRE movement is kind of a get-rich-quick scheme to get out of working for the selfie generation. I get it. Working can suck, but welcome to life. There are no easy shortcuts. Susie Orman's message in the podcast was about how being an investor is a marathon and not a sprint. The magic of compounding in a portfolio happens over decades, and Susie is saying don't touch that money at age 30 because life will happen later. Susie Orman exaggerated the numbers, but Clark, you ignored her message. Maybe you didn't listen to the entire podcast interview. Susie gave a baby boomer age perspective advice that millennials need to hear. Clark, $1 million producing 40K per year for a 30-year-old moving forward through a long life could spell disaster, and that was Susie's message. Don't quit your day job. Let that $1 million compound over decades and become Clark Howard wealthy. Thank you, and I appreciate your post. And obviously, we're going to have many more conversations about what I have always called being a max saver, and that's what it used to be called. And the idea of being a max saver is not about a magical date like age 30 that you're able to just bag work forever. And that's an oversimplification of what any financial independence movement should be about. And so I will make sure that I deal in the nuance that you address there going forward and the idea of people hitting age 30, having a million dollars, never working another day in their lives, that's not really what this financial independence movement should be about. And I will continue to deal with the layers involved in it. But as for clickbait, hey, that is so much 
part of how the internet operates because you're dealing with people's very busy lives and you think about all the things that people post with the clickbait kind of headlines in every topic area just to try to get people to click on something. So the fire movement is no more guilty of that than any other part of the internet. Clark, it sounds like you went you were out shopping on Thanksgiving instead of watching NFL football. What happened to the Clark we know and love? Maybe it's different on the East Coast as the games are on later. Forget the shopping on Thanksgiving. Just stay home and enjoy the games, Steve. Steve, I have a confession for you. I use the DVR to record NFL games, and then I watch them delayed, skipping the halftime show, the pregame show, and a lot of the commercials. And so I'm able to compress my viewing time to a point where I'm able to have it all, have time with football, have time with my family, and prior on Thanksgiving, shopping as well. Enjoyed the cell phone podcast with your son. I found out the expensive way that you can't go by frequencies. You need to use the bands your carrier is using. I bought a Leco Lex 653 AI from Light in the Box at a stupid cheap price, $119, that has most of the frequencies T-Mobile uses locally. The only problem is frequencies are not exact. They are approximate. The phone couldn't receive a single 4G band. After figuring this out, I bought a Lex 522 that does pick up four of five bands used locally. While it is a two-year-old phone, it has a it has a Snapdragon 652 CPU, usually found in $300 to $500 phones. I paid $89. And that was the special podcast we put up that still um, avail- will be available for a while with you and Grant uh, discussing cell phones. It's really Has anybody awesome. wanted to listen to my 13-year-old phone? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh. People love it. <laughs> okay. So... Grant is a a technomaniac and knows every last thing about processors, processing speed, battery life. I mean, everything involved with the guts of cell phones and tablets. And you bring up a point that is very important involving T-Mobile more than any other carrier, as well as Metro by T-Mobile, and that is how important it is with the changes they've made in their network lately to have the new frequencies that run at 600 megahertz and 700 megahertz because the coverage you get now blankets the country. T-Mobile used to have pitiful coverage outside of core big metro areas, and now they have fantastic coverage if you have the new frequencies. There's not an equivalent issue involving AT&T or Verizon. Clark recently alerted us that Experian had exposed our credit freeze PIN numbers, which could be a pain if someone got it and thought out credit. His advice was to log in and change the PIN. Clearly, Clark has not done this himself, as it is not possible. Experian offers no mechanism to reset a PIN or even contact them to reset a PIN. I even tried calling customer no service but couldn't get past the robots. So in the end, I've had to file a complaint with the CFPB to try and get Experian to change my PIN. I know this is more of an experience stinks, but Clark should have at least researched the process before recommending resetting the PIN. Thanks, Todd. Todd, I appreciate that. I'm really sorry about my lack of clarity with the Experian pen vulnerability 
And the problem with it is that even if you've gone through the process of freezing your credit, there is the potential that a criminal would be able to thaw your credit behind your back without you even realizing buying things as if they're you or getting credit as if they're you. And experience process is trouble prone, obviously. You can't reach people there. The best thing to do there's a suggestion that has come from others in the identity protection, uh, what do we call it, advocacy area, is that you go ahead and actually kill your credit freeze with Experian. Remove it. You can do that online. Then go back online and start over and set up a new credit freeze with Experian, and then you won't have to worry about whether or not you can reach someone or get it done online. You can kill it and then make it live again starting over, and you can do that bam, bam, much more easily than trying to talk with a human at customer no service. And I appreciate all your posts And just wait till next week if there's something that's really got you fired up. Maybe Krista will read yours. Lori's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Lori. You having a good day? Yes, I am. How about you? Great, thank you. You got a question for me about some of the online banking? Yes, I do. Um, It's kind of two questions, actually. The first question is, what are your thoughts regarding bill pay? since you said that you shouldn't be writing checks anymore or uh, even carrying a checkbook. Right. That's, and, uh, I love online bill pay. Okay, good. Well, the reason I was asking was because once I started looking at the bill pay checks that are clearing, it also has, it looks like a regular check, and it still has the account number on the bottom. Right. That is a great question. Okay, so when you pay electronic bill pay, most of the payments you make are going electronically, not a paper check. If you pay a, a small business or you send a payment to an individual, they're, all they're going to do is they're going to print uh, what they call a batch check. They're going to print an uh, electronic paper check. They're going to okay. put it in an envelope and they're going to mail it. But okay. most of the things you pay are going to be paid truly electronic no paper okay well i just noticed that some of them when they would clear look like actual checks right because some of them are some of them will be so let's say you decided you just wanted to send me money Lori. Mm -hmm. and you and you do go into your bill pay you put in my name my address and you decide to send me how generous are you today how much money are you going to send me Oh, I don't know. 25 bucks. 25 bucks. You send me 25 (laughs) bucks. They will actually print a check at the bill pay service, put it in an envelope, mail it to me. On the other hand, if you were making a payment to a bank, a utility company, I mean, most of the volume of payments goes to big organizations. Those all go truly electronic. Okay, I had noticed that some of them were electronic. Um, but my, the other part of my question is, I'm using my Chromebook for that, but during the day, I will check my account on my mobile device. 
So am I kind of like defeating the purpose of having my Chromebook if I'm doing that? Actually not. Are you using your financial institution app? Yes. Yeah, that is safer than the Chromebook. Okay, great. So when you use the app from your financial institution, that is the safest standard you can go with because they're responsible for that app. You use the Chromebook, even though that is the the least bad option, let's say, using a computer versus using a Mac or a PC in terms of security and safety, using the app supplied by a financial institution is the safest of all because they have to fully stand behind that completely. It's my pleasure to have you join us here on the Clark Howard Show where it's about your empowerment with knowledge so you can save more, spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. And you want free off-the-air advice? We got that for you over 40 hours each week. You can talk with a member of Team Clark. You go to clark.com, scroll down a little, you'll see the phone number and hours available each weekday for free off-the-air guidance from a member of our team. So I want to tell you that there's something I brought up, must be a year and a half ago, that was an experimental thing from the traffic app Waze, W-A-Z-E. Waze is perhaps the uh, most beloved and most hated traffic app at the same time. Because Waze is the one that uses uh, the intelligence of the collective people that use it to give people ideas of alternate routes, what's going on with traffic, before you would know otherwise that a wreck has just occurred, and uses a very advanced algorithm to reroute you around a tie-up. And Waze gets to know so much about the Wazers, the people that use it. And they issue you uh, cartoon characters and you get points and all this stuff, and it's really almost like social media and traffic congestion together in one thing. So Waze has helped me so much when I'm in a congested metro area getting around a traffic problem. The biggest hassle with Waze is a lot of times it will not know that it's bringing me to a place that wants me to take a left turn at a busy intersection with no red light at that intersection. And so then I just reroute my ways by taking a right instead of a left and a U-turn where I legally can do it to get out of what would be a pickle, but it saves me enormous time. Well, Waze has such deep information about Wazers that they came up with this experiment that's now a deal across all 50 states where if you are a suburban commuter, Waze will help you line up with somebody else who follows your similar commuting pattern and will do a match game and you get paid for driving that person as someone in your carpool. So the advantage in metro areas where there are carpool lanes where you need two, three, or four people in the car to ride in the carpool lane and that could save you an enormous amount of time being able to find somebody through the Waze Carpool app, which is a separate app of Waze, you could 
kill two birds with one stone. You defray some of the cost of your commute because they're paying you to ride with you, only reimbursing you up to IRS legal max, so 50-some-odd cents a mile. And so it helps you reduce your costs. And if there is the carpool thing, gets you in the carpool lane and gets you through traffic much quicker. It's not like having a UFO get in your car, though, because Wazers are, in fact, tracked so thoroughly you're not going to have somebody who could be an axe murderer who suddenly is in your vehicle. Because it's tough to drive with somebody trying to swing an axe at you or whatever. So not good for you or the axe murderer trying to do that. So this is potentially, I think about how many cities there are in the country that have extremely difficult suburban to suburban commutes or suburban to inner ring suburb or central city commutes where being able to have people carpool with you could take away a lot of the time suck of your current commute. And so if you're looking for a way maybe to ride with somebody else at a very low cost or you're looking for a way to defray your costs of operating a motor vehicle or you're looking for a way to save time, those all come together potentially with the Waze Carpool app. Suvan is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Suvan. Hello, Mr. Howard. How are you, sir? Great, thank you. Please call me Clark, though. Okay. I have a question for you. Yes. My parent is in the 70s, and... uh. I was just wondering what kind of light insurance is out there for them to purchase? It is not easy for people in their 70s to find affordable life insurance because usually by the time somebody's in their 70s, they've got something wrong with them, some form of pre-existing condition that insurers are afraid of. Tell me specifically what is the insurance need for your parents? Uh, to cover the debt and things like that, uh, to uh, make sure they had that paid off or whatever. Okay, so older. All right, so when somebody dies, unless debt is jointly held, in most states, the survivors are not responsible for the debt. So, oh, great. You, so you don't normally have to have life insurance to deal with, uh, let's say with a husband and wife, only in, trying to remember, is it six states or eight states that are known as community property states, um, everywhere else, the debts of one stay as the debts of that one and do not become debts of the other. Okay. So life insurance is not something normally you would have to worry about. Um, One thing I recommend with people who are getting up in years like your parents is that it's not a good idea to have joint credit cards. Okay. Because with joint credit cards, what happens is if one dies, the other is responsible. And like uh, if there's a car loan, you don't want to have the car loan necessarily in both names. Okay. so, So having debts that are separate as someone reaches um, the later ages of life is something that is a better plan. 
So do your parents have a great deal of debts, though? Uh, not too much. Just just uh, let them out. But just want to make sure they are taken care of before they left this earth. Right, right. So, um, so speaking of leaving this earth, have they talked through with you what they want to have happen at time of their passing, if they want to have a traditional funeral, they want to have a traditional burial, they want to be cremated. Like, has there been a family conversation since it sounds like you're the one who's going to uh, be responsible and be helping out? Have Have you had those kind of conversations? Uh, not yet, sir. Okay. I think I'm working on it. All right, so that's a conversation I'd really like you to have because yes, nobody really seems to want to address the subject and you may be surprised that one or both of your parents really do want to talk about it but nobody's gotten around to asking them okay because that makes a difference as well you know if somebody says oh no we don't want anything fancy don't go spend a lot of money on a funeral and this is what we want or whatever it gives you some peace of mind and understanding and also you know how they feel about spending a lot or a little or whatever on final arrangements. Some people want very specific and want really fancy funerals with special things in them and whatever, but the more you know, the more you understand about that, the better. One other thing about that is there's a website I'd like you to look at called funerals.org. Okay. And there, in much of the country, there are these co-ops that you can join for like almost no money that give you access to much cheaper funerals, much cheaper burials, and if somebody chooses cremation, a much cheaper cremation. Okay. And so, I, you know, when, when someone asked me about how to, what should we be doing with our parents and their expenses and worried about that, one of the things that your parents tend to ask me about is this kind of stuff and that's why the more you know when you go to talk to them about what they want you're able to give advice and guidance and suggestions but i don't know that life insurance at this point really sounds like a big priority steve is with us on the clark howard show hello steve hey clark how you doing great thank you steve how can i be of service to you well i've got a retirement planning question I'm 61. My wife is 62. Our house, which is valued by an online service at just a little less than $400,000, is completely paid off. Our combined annual income now is about $160,000. The kids are grown. They're on their own. Um, But my wife is retired. She's running a pension, and she's also working two part-time jobs. Wait, wait, wait. Your wife? is retired, has a pension, and is still working two jobs? She can't sit. She is the definition of type A. She's a personal trainer, and she's also working at a daycare center. Has a blast. There's no stress, and she loves it. That's neat. Okay. It's cool. Um, I work full-time, but I'd like to retire soon. Um, We do keep track of of net worth on one of the online systems, and our our net worth, I checked it this morning, is just about $1.4 million. That includes the value of the house. How'd you know that was my next question? (laughs) 
So you can yeah, figure. I, li- I listen to you. I listen to you way too much. <laughs> so the house cannot generate income for you, but the okay. million dollars you have, the way you figure that is, you figure the million dollars will generate um, and grow to cover inflation about forty thousand dollars a year. Mm-hmm. So if you base that that at this point would generate forty grand. And your wife has a pension generating so much, and at some point you'll, one or both of you will be eligible for Social Security. Um, yeah, well, well, she is. Um, she's eligible now for the minimum, I believe. But I think we'd like to wait until. Yeah, you want to wait. You want to wait yeah. as long as you possibly can for both of you. So the question ultimately is: Can you live on uh, theoretically forty grand coming from what you've saved? the money she has from a pension, the money both of you would have from Social Security, and whatever part-time stuff she and you do for uh, fun, like she's doing it, or because you want to supplement income. If you can live on that, you can rest easy. Okay, that's that's a curiosity, is timing and, and dollar amount. I've done a lot of reading, and it says that uh, you can take between 35 and 4% of what you've got in the retirement account because it'll continue to generate and and so the question is yeah um you know what kind of planning resources are available and all right so i would think i would think when you are one year out from when you think you want to bag work yeah i think it'd be wonderful for the two of you to go sit down with somebody with the garrett planning network okay garrett planning network i don't know if you've heard me mention them before but the, no, I haven't. the way Garrett works is they don't sell any products at all. You just pay them for advice, just like if you went to consult a doctor and you paid his or her bill. You go to an accountant, pay his or her bill. You go to somebody who's a financial planner to look through what you're doing, go over your goals with you, make sure you've got all the paperwork done you should have done, and then let you know you're on clear path to do what you want to do or you're not. Okay. And okay, I can definitely do that. That's a huge help. And so uh, uh, congratulations for being in a position where you've created choices by owning your home free and clear, having saved north of a million dollars, having your wife's pension. I mean, you've done everything you could do, including one thing that is not so often in the modern era. You've got your adult children financially independent. Yeah, that is true. They are out and living on opposite sides of the country. Well, how about them? And congratulations to you. It's time for Ask Clark. That's where you post a question for me at Clark.com, and then producer Joel asks it for you. Clark Stephen wrote in and said, can you give me some recommendations on good work-from-home ideas? So always the best recommendation for doing something work at home is something you've already done that you know how to do. Or if you've had a number of years with an employer who misses having you there and there are things you can do for them from your home. You always start with your own experience, your own knowledge, your own training, and your own present or former employers when you try to figure out what you're going to do at home. Because there is no magic specifically to working at home versus in a place of employee if you start with what the skill set you have is. If you can't think of something 
that you'd like to do, love to do, have experience doing that you could earn part-time money from for your convenience or that of a company, we have at Clark.com a work-at-home guide. It's one of the most popular pages on Clark.com, and we continually vet companies to make sure that they are on the up and up. And so they're, most of them uh, cost nothing for you to sign up with. A couple of them may require some kind of background check you may have to pay for. But other than that, they're just straight up opportunities for you to work a flexible schedule at not a huge amount of money per hour. All right, Clark. And Sam wrote in and said, you are very positive about USAA, but I was wondering if that extends to investing with them or just banking and insurance. So USAA is a decent outlet for investing, and they are not one of the lowest cost places, and they're not a middle cost. They're kind of lower middle. And if you are all in with USAA, it is a a great place for you to do investing, especially because so much of life is being a creature of habit. A lot of people who serve in the military um, routine is very much a part of what works for you. And so if USAA already, you're already using the bank, you're already using the insurance, it makes it more of a one-stop shop if you do your investing with them. So they're not one of my favorite children for investing, but they are a very good outlet for investing. All right, and Jimmy wrote in, he said, I just listened to your podcast where the last caller talked about your AC settings. I had to let you know, Clark, that I keep my house at 85 during the day and 82 at night in the summer. There's always a fan blowing on me, and that keeps me cool enough. For the past three years, my electric bill has yet to peak above $40 a month. It started as a challenge in stoicism. Uh, True wealth is wanting not. Thanks for all your information and inspiration. Well, then I am not truly wealthy because I'm not doing temperature settings in the 80s. Good for you and that under 40 bucks, outstanding. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.